Welcome to our podcast, Oncology Morning Commute, The Disparity Solution. Is there one? Morning Commute is developed in collaboration with That Point of Care and Projects of Knowledge and is part of a continuing medical education series. This independent CME-CE activity is supported by an educational grant from Estellus, Merkin Company, Pharmacyclics, and AbbVie Company, and Janssen Biotech. In this episode, Dr. Otis Brawley and Dr. Christopher Flowers continue their discussion about disparities in oncology care. Is there a solution? Drs. Brawley and Flowers will look at how a team-focused solution can help patients in their cancer care journey. Information about the faculty and disclosures can be found at morningcommutepodcast.com forward slash disparities four. You can use this link to receive your credit and evaluate this program. The URL can also be accessed in the episode notes. Dr. Brawley is a professor in the Department of Oncology at Johns Hopkins University, Baltimore, Maryland. Dr. Flowers is division head at Interim of the Division of Cancer Medicine and is professor and chair of lymphoma and myeloma at MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, Texas. I am Candace Hoffman, managing editor of Morning Commute. Dr. Brawley will begin our discussion. This is Dr. Otis Brawley talking to Dr. Chris Flowers, and we're talking about health disparities, and in this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the solutions, the disparity solution. Is there one? Uh, Chris, do you think there's some solutions here? There really are lots of uh, solutions to try and help to overcome some of the disparities that we've described in cancer care. There have been... broad array of support services for patients that have now emerged that help both within the healthcare setting and a lot of other support services even outside of the healthcare setting that can help patients uh, in their cancer care journey. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about patient navigators. Uh, Harold Freeman started the movement toward patient navigators about 30 years ago. He's also one of the people who was outspoken that the problem and disparities in health is not race and socioeconomics and trying to bring in other groups. And of course, now we even know that the largest disparate population for cancer in the United States is actually white Americans. But uh, do you use patient navigators? Have you found them successful? So we do. Uh, Patient navigators have been successful in a number uh, of arenas. So we talked Uh, at our last podcast about cultural competence and patient navigators are one of those resources that can really help uh, in uh, supporting that cultural competence, understanding what the individual needs are of the patient, helping them uh, in terms of what their understanding of health literacy is, what their health education uh, is, and uh, marching them through the healthcare system, uh, both uh, in terms of the kinds of uh, things they'll need to have supporting their care uh, and the ways that they access the healthcare system. I often think of these uh, healthcare or patient care navigators as kind of like the concierge uh, to a hotel. They'll tell you what uh, things are on the menu in terms of uh, opportunities uh, and uh, help you to uh, navigate and to schedule your day uh, through your healthcare environment. It's interesting. I usually use the big brother, big sister analogy, but uh, you use the concierge. Now, lay healthcare uh, workers or lay patient navigators versus nurse patient navigators, do you have a preference? 
So both are quite useful. I think uh, lay patient navigators are fantastic in that they can relate directly to the patient experience. Oftentimes in the cancer patient environment, these are cancer survivors who have had uh, a personal experience with cancer and been in the exact uh, position that the patient has been in. Other times they are uh, allies to the cancer care environment that can help with that. Nurse navigators, on the other hand, have the professional expertise uh, to how to provide cancer care and can help uh, patients sometimes with some of the more technical difficulties uh, and professional difficulties that require expertise in cancer care. Yeah, you know, both have one thing in common, though. They understand the system and can help guide someone through the system. That, that, that knowledge or wisdom of knowing the system, and the system can sometimes be pretty treacherous. I mean, it, it's, it's a tough place to get along in, right? You're exactly right. I mean, when we think about cancer care and think about the journey that a patient takes from diagnosis to treatment uh, through recovery and survivorship, you know, oftentimes these involve a multitude of components to the cancer care system. So involving surgeons, radiation oncologists, medical oncologists, may involve physical therapy, may involve diagnostic imaging, uh, uh, biopsies, and other sorts of uh, processes to the care uh, that really require fairly careful navigation uh, because all of those components have uh, key timing elements to them as well. And you can imagine uh, that uh, someone who is completely unfamiliar to those systems of care uh, and trying to uh, navigate it on their own can be fraught with some uh, serious challenges. You know, just as an aside, familiarity and the ability to deal with things can be incredibly important in healthcare. Uh, I once was, uh, I did a lot of studies 20 years ago looking at blacks in the military or military retirees who were black, comparing them to whites in the military or white military retirees and their families and started making the argument that equal treatment yields equal outcome and race is not a factor in outcome. And I was talking to a social worker who coordinated some patient navigators, by the way. And, and she set me straight. She noted that the black woman whose husband retired from the military, who was 65 years old now and has breast cancer, not only has insurance, but has a life's experience that helps her deal with the big hospital compared to her sister who might live in Southeast Atlanta and never had those military experiences to the point that the wife of the military retiree who had lived in Germany or Japan or on bases and had other experiences could, was not as intimidated by the big hospital, was more able to find her way through the big hospital, say to the place she needed to go, say radiology, and even better able to deal with the obstinate clerk behind the desk to get the services that she needs compared to her sister who didn't have those experiences. What we're trying to do with navigators is try to help that sister from Southeast through that system the way her sister navigated it. You agree with that? 
Yeah, that's really a fantastic uh, example. And that's really the role that uh, patient navigators are intended to fill is to help navigating that uh, second patient that you used an example. I, I think of this kind of equivalent to, you know, going to a distant city and it's the distance, the difference between trying to pull out an old paper map and find your way to where you want to be and now having an app on your phone that navigates you directly there. And yeah. that's really what patient navigators provide for us in the healthcare system now. Yeah. Now, one of the problems that I have been pressed with, and I see patients, uh, is not being able to spend as much time with the patients as I'd like. And one of the things that we're adopting now are advanced practice providers. These are physicians assistants and nurse practitioners who are taking care of a lot of our patients. And the new doctor of the 21st century is working in a team with advanced practice providers. Uh, have you had that experience? Yes, I've been involved uh, with uh, my care processes for cancer care patients for over a decade with uh, advanced practice providers. and. Really, they are critical to the kind of team-based care uh, that we need for the cancer patient, both individuals that uh, know the patient uh, well and can provide care uh, in between the times when the physician uh, is seeing the patient and can see the patient in concert with the physician in ways that uh, creates that comprehensive care plan. Yeah, my, my experience really is that the advanced practice provider provides an overall better quality of care by having them in the team. And they really are a team with doctors and other nurses and other, other staff. And they do provide much, much, a much better experience for the patient. And they are a help in overcoming some of these uh, disparities. Now, uh, tell me problems in having insurance or having access to these things, certain groups or, or advocacy groups uh, can be good in helping the patient uh, with their system, uh, through, go through the medical system. Uh, uh, focus groups, not focus groups, but groups that meet and talk about their experiences and that sort of thing. Have you had any experience with that? Yes, I think one of the other things that I mentioned at the outset were these external uh, forces that can help with uh, cancer care provision. And I think one of the things that has been uh, a monumental step forward is the advent and growth of patient care advocacy groups. And there are a number of these that are typically very disease-focused groups. These include uh, patient uh, allies uh, and uh, cancer survivors and with a particular diagnosis. Uh, who have worked in focused ways to help patients uh, not only navigate the system, but also navigate other components like uh, insurance uh, gaps, co-pays for medication, support for transportation to and from clinics. And, it's, and having them as part of the cancer care process really uh, can help to overcome many of the bar barriers that we described in the disparities previously. Some patients have huge problems with finances. Indeed, uh, healthcare costs is a major cause of personal bankruptcy in the United States. Social workers and some of the people who are more skilled at how you pay for healthcare can be critical. And one of the things that I've been concerned about is some of the smaller doctor groups are not able to afford the social workers and these other groups. You, you're, of course, at a huge hospital. 
uh, but you see referrals from outside. Has this been a problem that you've noticed as well? So you can see that uh, as well, particularly in rural oncology care clinics. This is another place where patient care advocacy groups can help. But these groups typically are national groups, uh, and any patient uh, can access uh, the support that they provide. Yeah, I mean, I just prescribed Everolimus uh, yesterday, and uh, I was told it's $19,000 a month, and this person who has insurance, the insurance is going to pay three quarters of it. So those can be significant challenges for individual uh, patients that you can imagine out of pocket. Yeah. Some of the, the co-pays uh, that these uh, patient care advocacy groups are able to help with can help to close some of those gaps. Yeah, yeah. But this is still a huge problem in disparities. I want to thank you, uh, Chris, for a really wonderful conversation. This is Dr. Otis Brawley talking to Dr. Chris Flowers about solutions to healthcare disparities. Great. Thanks, Otis. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, to receive your credit and evaluate this program, please visit morningcommutepodcast.com forward slash disparities for. For all the episodes in this series, please visit morningcommutepodcast.com forward slash disparities. Disparities.